0: the first half grades are in who's getting an a who's getting an f and who's getting everything in between we're talking with Corey sharp this week about the first half grades for the 2007 phillies and we're talking trade outline hey maybe it's time to get rid of tommy joseph pat neshek jeremy hellickson daniel nava so much more it's the mid-season it's a bad season but it's our season the phillies nation podcast is on Yo, Phillies Nation. Welcome to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am Tim Malcolm, the editorial director of PhilliesNation.com. Go to PhilliesNation.com for all of your news, information, rumors, and more about the Philadelphia Phillies. You can also find us on Twitter at Phillies Nation, Instagram at PhilliesNation underscore, and Facebook at facebook.com slash Phillies Nation. The podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker. Tune in Radio, and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Nation. The All-Star break is here. We are now in the break, which is going to take up most of the week here. So this week's podcast is a little different. We're going to have Corey Sharp on to talk about the first half grades for the Phillies. Certainly not many good grades to give out for this team. And we'll talk a little bit more about this absolutely atrocious baseball team in a little bit. We're also going to talk about the trade deadline and who might be going to different places at the end of the month. The Phillies certainly have a number of players that they can shuttle along to other teams. And there are some prospects that are just about ready to come up. Two of them played on Sunday at the MLB Futures game, which was part of All-Star Weekend in Miami. I'm talking about, of course, Scott Kingery and Reese Hoskins. Kingery came off the bench. He went 0-for-1 in the game, and Hoskins started the game. He actually had cleanup, and he went 1-for-2 with a single. The U.S. team, which they both played for, won the game. Now, Hoskins, after the game and before the game, there's been a lot of talk about if he's ready to play in the majors, and he, of course, has told the media, and there has been a lot of stories now out today, that Hoskins is certainly ready to play in the major leagues, and of course he is. He's had a fantastic season here in AAA Lehigh Valley, hitting 289 with a 385 on base percentage and a 576 slug. He has 20 home runs, 19 doubles, 4 triples, 53 strikeouts, 47 walks. Great numbers, no matter how you slice it. Plus, he's a pretty good defensive first baseman. He's basically the total package, and all intents and purposes, could be the first baseman of the future for the Philadelphia Phillies. The question, of course, is when does he come to the majors? Because there is a player in Philadelphia named Tommy Joseph who still is in the major leagues. So that's the question. When are the Phillies going to make a move that opens up a spot at first base? Whether it's moving Joseph so that Hoskins plays first base full-time in Philadelphia, or moving Hoskins because Joseph would want to play full-time in Philadelphia. Now, I advise, and we'll talk about this with Corey in a bit, that it would be wisest for the Phillies to move Joseph. Joseph right now is hitting 252 with a 313 OBP and a 466 slug. His weighted OPS is above average at 104, which is great. But for first baseman in the National League, I feel like it has to be better. And I talk about this with Corey that first basemen have to be really good at I think more than just hitting home runs, right? Tommy Joseph has 15 home runs, which right now leads the team. But I want a guy who can do more than that. If you're not going to be Ryan Howard at the plate and hit 45 home runs a season in your prime, then you should be able to hit for a decent average, 270, 280. You should have a nice on-base percentage, 340, 350 at least. Draw more walks, less strikeouts if you can. Tommy Joseph has 25 walks, in 294 at-bats, 323 plate appearances. It's probably not enough. He needs to have more. As a team, the Phillies aren't walking a lot, really, and Tommy Joseph actually leads the team in walks with 25. It has to improve. So to me, that looks like a player who isn't quite an all-around threat at first base. And this team is out looking for stars. We've talked about this all season. The Phillies don't have a star in its lineup. Joseph... I don't even know if he's the closest one to it. I would say if the Phillies have a closest player to a star on their roster right now, maybe it's Odubo Herrera, but he's having a bad season offensively. Uncharacteristically. He had very good seasons last year and the year before. Defensively, he's still very good, but he's not quite a star either. Michael Franco is not shown to be a star. In fact, he's maybe the worst offensive player on the Phillies right now. Cesar Hernandez is more of a role player. Tommy Joseph, I think he's more of a role player himself. Maybe he's a really good platoon bat. Maybe he could work as a first baseman in the American League for a team that has a better DH. And that's what we're looking at here. What team would take Tommy Joseph? We're really looking at American League teams because the teams in the National League that are competing for a playoff spot already had their first baseman. Tommy Joseph is not going to make a difference. But if you look at the American League, there are a couple teams who would need Tommy Joseph's services. There are two in particular that are in the playoff race that could really use another first baseman. One is the New York Yankees, who I think more than anybody need a first baseman at this moment. They had Chris Carter. In fact, before that, they had Greg Bird, who was lost to an injury, and he'll be out for basically the entire season. Chris Carter was DFA'd after a very bad showing in fact, he's hitting just as well as Mike Franco this year. 201 batting average, 284 on base percentage. Carter was DFA'd. Now they're working with mostly G-Man Choi as their first baseman. But he's had only a little bit of uh, time out there. He's only had 13 plate appearances. He has a couple home runs, but a 182 batting average, he might not be a long-term solution for the Yankees. Also trading some time with Choi has been Austin Romine, who's really a catcher by trade but can play some first base. Offensively, he's nothing. Okay, He's got a 231 average and a 284 on base percentage. The Yankees desperately need somebody to step in at first base. Their DH Matt Holliday, is on the DL right now. They've been trying to find someone to fill in the gaps. Right now, they're hemorrhaging. And the Yankees haven't been winning as much lately. Yes, they're getting by on Aaron Judge's big home runs. He's got 30 already. And Gary Sanchez is doing his thing. But the, the Yankees do need somebody to take that first base spot. And Tommy Joseph might be that guy. If I were the Phillies, I would look in to getting some sort of a prospect package for Joseph. Whether it's one or two guys, I don't think they're going to get a lot of value for Joseph because he's not necessarily the best first baseman you can find on the market. But I think they can get something for him. And it would behoove the Phillies to get a package for Tommy Joseph from the Yankees. The other team that I think would be interested in someone like Tommy Joseph is the Cleveland Indians, who are now in first place in the American League Central. They're out to a 47-40 and 40 start now. And they are getting a better effort from Carlos Santana, who was struggling earlier in the season, but has since kept up to a pretty decent enough 340 on-base percentage, 409 slugging percentage, could be better. He has 10 home runs. He's hitting 238. Not great, but the Indians could probably live with that considering their pitching strength. Their DH is Edwin Encarnacion, who's had a very nice season, 18 home runs, a 481 slugging percentage, and a 374 on base percentage. In retrospect, maybe the Phillies should have grabbed him in uh, free agency, right? Well, it wasn't really a good play anyways. He's 34 years old, and he would have cost the Phillies a draft pick. So I, I'm just kidding about Edwin Encarnacion. But the, the Indians probably do need somebody, maybe even to come off the bench. Just a nice bat, because their bench right now is pretty bad. Their best player off the bench is probably Eric Gonzalez, who only has 52 plate appearances, and it's hitting 300, but you can't rely on a utility guy to be your best player off the bench. So I think the Indians can use a bat. Tommy Joseph is cost-effective, which the Indians need because they are a small market team. They would have to give up something for Joseph, at least one or two prospects. But I think that could be doable. So there are a couple teams in the American League that could use someone like Tommy Joseph. The Phillies should definitely look into it, because right now, if Reese Hoskins isn't on this team by, let's say, August, it's really not a good thing. Hoskins is playing too well. He could be the first baseman of the future. I don't necessarily think Joseph has the future of being an outstanding offensive player. I think he's a pretty good one. But if you can get some value for him now and see what you have in Hoskins, who could be an outstanding offensive player, you got to do that right now. Meanwhile, for Kingery, who was also in the Futures game and went 0-for-1, yeah, I know. We're all talking about Scott Kingery. Will he make the majors this year? Well, he doesn't believe he will. He actually told the media yesterday at the Futures game that he believes he'll be staying in Lehigh Valley for the rest of the year. That's probably what's going to happen. Kingery's doing really well in Lehigh Valley, sitting 306, 321 on base percentage, a 592 slugging percentage. He has four home runs. He had a couple more over the last week. He has a little bit of a discipline issue to start his A career, 13 strikeouts and two walks, but that's not a big deal. He already has four stolen bases, which are among the team leaders. That was the thing that Kingery always had, was that wonderful speed, somewhat of a power combo, but really a fast guy who could play really good defense at second base, at the very least an average everyday Major League second baseman, potentially. With the power that he's shown, both in Redding and now in Lehigh Valley, as he already has four home runs, in just 49, play to 49 at-bats, Kingery can probably be an all-star level second baseman in the major leagues, if this power is real. Now, he won't be at the major league level this year. I don't think that's the smart move. He's not quite proven yet in Lehigh Valley, and let's be honest, the Phillies can take their time a little bit more. They're not in desperate need for all the prospects to come up. Also, Cesar Hernandez needs to get back on this team. If they want to dangle him for any kind of value in the offseason, they need to give him a little bit more of a rep in September August just to see what he can do so that teams might be interested in him in the offseason. And let's be honest, Cesar's had a pretty decent year. He's fallen off a little bit before the de- uh, before the injury. But 277 average with a 3.36 OBP, pretty decent defense at second base. He's a league average second baseman, and I think a lot of teams would be interested in someone like that. But as for Kingery, wait till next year, it's okay. The other prospect that the Phillies recently brought up is Nick Williams, who's actually hitting very well in his first 10 games as a Philly. 35 plate appearances, 281 average, 343 OBP, and a 438 slugging percentage. Great numbers, right? He does have a home run. He hit his first Major League home run on Sunday. Great to see it, even if it was a just a little bleeder that dropped in right in the flower bed left field. He's got good defense. He can run. His speed is already shown to be an asset for the Phillies. I'll tell you something. I like Nick Williams a lot, and I think he's here to stay. There's no reason for the Phillies to drop him back down to Lehigh Valley. If they want to trade Daniel Nava, they do have the opportunity to do that. He's still hitting well enough to let go. Howie Kendrick might come back from the DL. He might not. Who knows? But the Phillies can run with a four-man outfield for the while. Nava, Williams, Altair, Herrera. Give Williams as much time as you can out there. Give Altair as much time as you can out there, because I honestly believe that he's someone that the Phillies can dangle in the offseason. Nava should get some spot starts. And Herrera should probably take a couple bit of a, a little bit of a rest, too. I mean, look, Herrera's had a bad year at the plate. He needs some time to kind of sit back and see how the game's going, get back to where he was last year with being patient at the plate and looking for line drives. But as for Nick Williams, give him all the time you need. Let him stay in the major leagues. Let us see what he can do, because he really does look like the real deal. Of course, the Phillies themselves need as many real deals as they can, because this is a bad team. And I wanted to spend the next few minutes just talking about how bad the Phillies are. I wanted to posit the question. Is this the worst Phillies team of all time? Now, the Phillies right now in the first half went 29-58. and 58. They got that 29th win with a barrage of home runs against the Padres on Sunday. But they don't have 30 yet. Every other team in the league has many more wins than 30. 29 and 58, the Phillies have a 3.33 winning percentage. It's not the worst winning percentage in Phillies history. In fact, it's somewhere around 12th. There was a Phillies team that actually finished 173. Of course, that was back in the first year of the franchise's existence in 1883 when the Philadelphia Quakers went 17 and 81. But here's the thing. The Phillies 3.33 winning percentage Is the worst winning percentage by any Phillies team since 1961. Now 1961 was actually the first year of the modern era when baseball went to 162 games in the schedule. So as it stands in Phillies history, the 1961 team would likely be the worst Phillies team in the modern era. But the 2017 team is on pace to be worse. This team is actually on pace to losing 109 games. And if you go back in baseball history, since 1961 when the schedule went to 162 games, the 2017 Phillies with 109 losses, if it were to happen, would have the third most losses of any team in modern era. Now the team of course with the most losses is the 1962 Mets who went 40 and 120. Now, they didn't play two extra games. They were rained out, and maybe baseball decided that they don't need to play those games because they stink so bad. The second worst team of the modern era is the 2003 Detroit Tigers. If you remember that team that was managed by uh, Jim Leyland. And a couple years later, the Tigers immediately became a great team. But they were in the middle of a bad rebuild, and they had a lot of players who were just kind of filling in the gaps in 2003. That team went 43-119. and I don't think the Phillies are going to be that bad. I mean, imagine the Phillies winning another 14 games this entire season. That's probably not going to happen. But the Phillies right now, at 109 losses, if that happens? That probably is the worst Phillies team that at least we've seen since the 1940s. If you go back in Phillies history to the 1940s, they've had some really bad teams. The 1942 Phillies went 42 and 109. Yeah, 109 losses, but 42 wins. That would mean the Phillies would have to win only another 13 games to match that mark. The 1941 Phillies went 43 and 111. The 1945 Phillies went 46 and 108. The 1940 Phillies went 50 and 103. Imagine being a Phillies fan in the early 1940s. Not only did he have the Great Depression a couple years before that, World War II was coming up. The Phillies were terrible too. I know it's not the worst thing in the world, but you know, you want some good baseball once in a while. This 2017 team though is pretty pretty bad. The worst Phillies team after the 2017 Phillies since the modern era is the 1972 team, of course. Now, we all think of the 72 team as a lot worse but they went 59-97 for a 378 winning percentage, barely beating out the 2015 Phillies that had a 389 winning percentage with their 63-99 and mark. The problem is the 1972 Phillies are known more for the one player that was that good that year, Steve Carlton, who won half the team's games and had an ERA of about two. The Phillies do have a decent player this year, and Aaron Nola... Aaron is actually pitching very well. He had a really good start his last time out, And right now, he's got an ERA of 3.59, 81 strikeouts and 25 walks. Maybe the real is here. Hopefully, he is. I'll talk with Corey more about that in a little bit. But I got to tell you this. If the Phillies continue on this pace, a lot of things have to change. Yes, prospects need to come up. We need to see a new blood here in Philadelphia. Whether it's J.P. Crawford and Dylan Cousins and Reese Hoskins and Jorge Alfaro next season and Scott Kingery, Or whether it's coaching changes. Pete McCannon has the new extension, but I gotta imagine that his job could be on the line after this season. There might be some chances that the Phillies might take with a manager role. What about the coaches beyond McCannon? What has Matt Stairs done with this offense? Not a lot. They're not walking a lot. They're not hitting the ball strong. Home runs are down this year for the team. They look very different out there at the plate. What about pitching? Bob McClure has been enemy number one for us for a long time here. Is he really the answer? I don't know. Certainly some things have to change with the Phillies after this season, if this season continues at this pace. But I will say this. This has been one of the most unwatchable Phillies teams that I have ever been through in my life. There have been some bad teams. The late 80s and early 90s definitely had some bad teams. But at least in those years, there were players that you rooted for that you really liked. Guys like Darren Dalton. Guys like John Kruk, Mike Schmidt at the end of his career in the late 80s, Lenny Dykstra in the early 90s. But now, what do you have? I'm rooting for Aaron Nola. I want to see Odubo Herrera get better because, look, he's really entertaining when he's good. When he's not good, yeah, the entertaining things could be tough to watch. But he's entertaining. You can't, you can't, you can't deny that. And I want to see guys like Nick Williams thrive. I want to see guys like Cam Perkins thrive. I want to see guys like Andrew Knapp continue to thrive. Other than that, though, I'm ready for a wholesale change in a lot of ways. Whether it's in coaching or in a lot of the places on the diamond, I'm ready. I'm kind of tired of Freddie Galvis. I'm kind of tired of Cameron Rupp. I'm kind of tired of Mike Franco. As much as I want those guys to succeed, and I do like them as players, I, I want to see them do well... I'm tired of watching the last couple of years and being disappointed and bored with this team. I think it's time for a change. If we don't see real good things happening in the month of July when they get back from the All-Star break, it's going to be really time for a change. Whether it's players or coaches, these Phillies really need to make some decisions if they continue to play at this level. I bring in Corey Sharp on the Phillies Nation podcast. Uh, Corey, we're going to talk a little bit about the first half, and now that it's over, thank God, um, let's go through the players, you know, sort of through the roster and give grades out, as people typically do at this part of the year, to some of the players uh, who have played at least good full-time here for the Phillies this year. Um, so let's start with catcher. Cameron Rupp and Andrew Knapp both have had sort of up and down starts to their year. Why don't you start with Rupp? What would you give him on an a to F sort of scale
1: um, I would give Rupp probably probably a D um yeah he's he really stro- he struggled this year uh at, at at the plate um as opposed to last year where he really kind of came on pretty strong um but yeah he kind of tailed off last year toward the end, but he really kind of made a made a good impression, but he's really been bad. Uh and behind the plate, you know, Bob McClure kinda sold him out, uh, you know, to the media, um, you know, for his um lack of calling a game. You know, he hasn't been calling great games. So I I would I would give him a D.
0: It's hard to say like how good or bad Rupp is at calling games, but if the pitching coach is saying something in the media then that is pretty that that that's that that's pretty uh damaging right there. Um I'd probably give him maybe like even a D minus. Uh Rupp I think his strength is supposed to be his power and what he can provide that other catchers around the league can't, and that hasn't really happened this year. I mean, six home runs, he did hit one on Sunday and it was a good home run, but his slugging percentage is pretty low at three seventy. Uh he just doesn't seem like he's the kind of player that we were bargaining for this year uh Andrew Knapp maybe a little bit better in some respects what do you think about him
1: yeah I I would give Andrew Knapp a a solid B um you know I I think he's been a a pleasant surprise as a rookie um we have a piece coming out later today on um on Andrew Knapp that I I wrote and I think he he's done everything that you could ask of of a rookie catcher um you know he's He's hitting 250, um, but he's getting on base at a 355 clip. He has 20 walks. Uh, he sees the third most amount of pitches per at bat on the team. Um, so I, like I said, I mean, there's nothing more you could ask of a of a rookie catcher, in my opinion. So I give him a solid B.
0: I'd probably give him more like a C or even a C- minus because uh, his his game calling is still a little bit uh, suspect, and I know that that's something that he's been working on, and that was definitely the flaw in his game before he came in here. But I think you're right. Offensively, he gives you something that's a little bit more than what his Rupp has given us with that patience. Uh, the discipline has been very strong. So I- I'm with you that he's definitely been uh, a brighter spot, but I don't know if I'd give him a B at this point. Um Alright, let's go through the infield quickly here. Tommy Joseph, who might be not a Philly by the time uh the month is over. Uh what would you do about Joseph here?
1: Um, yeah, it's it's his he's so tough. I mean, he's like I guess I he's a, a fringe starter. Um I, I I I think you've seen his ceiling. You know, he's hitting two fifty five. I think he's a two fifty five hitter. Yeah, and he has some pop. But I I would I would trade him. Um, I would let Reese Hoskins come up because, like I said, I think we've seen the best of Tommy Joseph. If he was anything more, I think we would have seen it by now. Um, so, but uh, as for a grade, I would give him probably a, a C plus. You know, because he's a he's an average player.
0: Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, You know, he's had some high points this year for sure. His power is decent. You know, the fifteen home runs—that's nice to see. Um, But you're right. I think he's—he's sort of you know one or two dimensional as far as his offense. Defensively, it's pretty decent, but uh, you need more at first base. You need someone who can really hit on all levels, and that's not what Joseph is giving them. So I think you're right. You know, I think the time might be up, and we'll talk more about that later on. Second base, Cesar Hernandez, a little more incomplete because he's been injured a little bit. But what would you give Cesar after you know a decent start here to the season, two hundred and thirty or plus at bats?
1: Yeah, I would, I would. hover around a B minus to a B. You know, he started out of the gates uh, really strong, and um, you know, obviously the injury bug has hit him. So we don't we don't really know if if that played a a role in his in his decline. You know, he was well over three hundred. You know, he's hitting two seventy seven now. I uh, was a three thirty six on base percentage. we kind of expected that to be a little bit higher um you know especially toward the end of last year what we saw out of him, but I would get you know he's been the best hitter on the Phillies so uh, but overall pro- probably around a b minus uh, to a b I mean
0: that's about right I think a b minus is about right um Freddie Gal was a shortstop.
1: yeah he's man i would i i would same say the same thing I mean you, you kind of know around a. B minus. You, you kind of know what you're getting with uh, Freddie Galvis. Obviously, his, his uh, defense is an A plus um, plus plus plus. Probably one of the best shortstops in the league. You know, and he as well is sitting around 250. And he's provided some more pop than we ever thought, especially for a shortstop. He's on pace to hit around 18 to 20 home runs again, and he hit 20 last year. So he he's a, he would be a really good shortstop. To have on a, on a winning team. Um, like if he was on that 2008 club, you know, a great defensive player that has a decent pop, who could bat, you know, seventh or eighth in the lineup. But on this team, yeah, that's not not the case, obviously. So I would give him, I'd give him a B, probably.
0: I, I I I get hard on Freddie sometimes because the offense seems very one dimensional. I keep throwing that word around, but. There is a lot to be said for his clubhouse leadership, which has been talked about a lot this past week. His defense, obviously, is very strong. I'd, I'd probably go around BB-, B maybe a C plus, but he's somewhere in that range. He does give the Phillies some power that is surprising at shortstop, and the defense is great, and the clubhouse presence is great, so... I think that definitely goes in his favor, but uh, I don't know if I want to see him as part of the franchise for much longer. I think they need to, you know, get away from this sort of era and, and bring in the new blood, whether it's Crawford or somebody else there, at shortstop. All right, Mike Franco, this is a tough one, obviously, because he's had such a tough first half.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, probably, probably enough. I mean, you know, he's hitting um, 220, and it's, I think it's below that after uh, Sunday's game. Just, I mean, I want to know if, if baseball reference has a stat of how many times your helmet falls off. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, he he still pulls off of a lot of pitches. Um, you know, it's like every time he kind of has two or three really good games, then it's then it's ten games where he's like two for 25 or something. And he just, he's, and it's back to where he was. So um, there's going to be some decisions made probably at the end of the year because uh, even if they wanted to trade him uh, over the trade deadline, yeah, you know, his value isn't high. So I, I would give him enough for running yeah, capital. Yeah,
0: I, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, it's been a really bad year for him after last year or so sort of uh, questionable at times, and you're right. You know, he has maybe two or three games where he's really good, and then he kind of takes this ten game long slump. Uh, you know, the home runs are nice, but they really need to be put together with some good line drive hitting and uh, getting on base more often. You know, the walks are up, which is nice, but he still strikes out a decent amount. Um, that's better, I guess. You know, I shouldn't I shouldn't come down on him the strikeouts, but uh, he just does not get the ball through the infield, and and when he does, it's uh, a pop up to the outfield. It's, it's just a bad – it's been a bad approach for him, you know, the last year. I, I'm with you on that. You know, an F is probably the way to go. I really wish that he was better than that. But he's just showing that he's, you know, again, as we've been throwing around here today, a one-dimensional offensive player. Defensively fine, but I don't know if that's really uh, – you can get a better defensive player in the market from anywhere in third base. All right, uh, outfield. Let, let's go to uh, the guy who's been kind of surprising for the Phillies this year, Daniel Nava.
1: Um, I mean – you know, he he came in as a fourth or, or fifth outfielder, really behind Altair. He just made the team. I mean, you know, basing on on what he's done, I I gotta give him an A. I mean, he's around three hundred. He provides the most quality at bats on this team. I mean, um, you know, he I, I would give him an A. That's, yeah.
0: That's what I- His three ninety one OBP is fueled by twenty walks and just thirty strikeouts. Um really good numbers offensively. Defensively he's a little bit of a hole there. I mean he's not the best defensive player, although he can play all the positions. I'd probably go with like an A minus. I don't you know, I'm I'm being a little bit scornful on him, but uh yeah, he's been very good. I mean that's just the bottom line. And for the amount of money that the Phillies got him for, which is very little, it's been a very good investment for the Phillies. Uh let's go to the good outfielder on the other side of the uh outfield, Aaron Alterer
1: um aaron i would probably give uh he's in the a range too probably an a minus yeah he he's kind of tailed off a little bit but you know he he's more he's not a one-dimensional player he can um he can do a lot of things he gets you know he hits for power and he can run he plays great outfield so yeah i would give an a minus he's you know been the best player unquestionably on the team
0: yeah, I would like to see the discipline improve a little bit. He's got 78 strikeouts, which is second on the team this year. But his numbers are great. I mean, he he's definitely stepped up this year. Uh, looks like the player that he was at the end of 2015 when we were very excited about him. 14 home runs, 18 doubles. Really good to see all those extra base hits. I'd probably give him an A-. minus. Um, the defense is very good as well. I had no qualms with Altair. And it'll be interesting to see if Matt Clintak decides that he's part of next year's team. Or maybe they'd send him out uh, because his value is really high right now. Um, okay, someone who's had a tough season and one of your favorite persons, uh, people in the whole world, Corey. Oduble Herrera, what do you think?
1: Oh, I mean... Yeah, you know, I, I would I would probably give him an F as well. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, two fifty six. The uh, same thing with him with and, and Franco that you know, their approaches at the plate isn't always I don't know, a hundred percent, I guess you could say. Um um you know, he just swing wildly at times. Um obviously we, we know about the mistakes on the bases and he does have twenty six doubles. I mean that was probably 10 or 15-game stretch in early June where he, he was a doubles machine. But other than that, I mean, last year I know he walked, I think it was 43 times the first two months, first three months of the year, and he only had 16. So it's like I don't know what happened to, to that guy early last year. So, you know, I, I would give him an F as well. I yeah, mean, I... his defense, I will say, I mean, has been superb this year. Yeah, his defense has been superb.
0: Well, I, I... – I wonder if he's got the same problem that Franco had last year, where they're trying to be the man who's supposed to do everything well, and because Odubal has that contract, maybe he thought, you know, I need to step up here, and he's being a little more aggressive than he ever should be. Uh, you're right. The, the discipline numbers are bad. You know, the 16 walks to 84 strikeouts is, is bad news. And the doubles are nice, but I think some of those are probably home runs or triples that just didn't become home runs or triples. Um, but he's been... He's had moments where he's been really good offensively. Overall, though, he's been, yes, below average for sure offensively. The defense has been good. I think he's a great defensive player. He's turned into one in center field. Uh, the, the on-base mistakes and the sort of, you know, having his head down kind of stuff, I wish that he would just kind of get that out of his system, but it's part of who he is, and we might have to live with that as long as we have him. If he's hitting the ball well, I think we kind of forgive those things right, as it stands. A as it stands, he's been, he's been below average for sure. I, I'd probably be close to an F with you. I might give him a D-minus or a D because the defense is so good, but it's been a really tough year, that said, for Herrera, and hopefully he can turn it around here in the second half. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: all right, let, let's, we don't want to get into Michael Saunders. I don't need to get into Howie Kendrick. We'll move on to the pitching staff real quick, but let's go with the guy that has really stepped up lately, Aaron Nola.
1: Um. I mean, if you had, if right now it's kind of what have you done for me lately? Um, he's kind of like one of those guys that that got all of his stuff in right before the report card grade ended. So,
0: <laughs> Come on, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would give him I would give him a B plus. He's still a little yeah. You know, he's been inconsistent this year. I think he's it's been four four really good starts, um, great starts. So I give him a B plus. He's been he's utilizes change up a lot more. He's kind of had that that's been his third pitch kind of so i would say a b plus. yeah his curveball has been has been really good his last four starts so i'd give him a b plus
0: yeah i think maybe relativity has something to do with it because none of the other philly starters were that good so nola looks the best out of everyone obviously mm-hmm. but the numbers are still very good 81 strikeouts in 80 innings so he's got more than a strikeout in inning just barely uh 25 walks which is good to see those numbers low i mean they could even be lower but he's been very good at that he's had a good I think for the most part, he's been good this year. I think he's had definitely moments where he hasn't been as sharp, but Nola looks like a little bit more like the Nola of the past that we fell in love with early last year. I would probably give him about a B. Uh, B-plus, I think, is fine. B-minus would be okay, but a B, I think, is about right for Nola. He looks like he could be a three-starter for a good team in the, in the future, maybe a two-starter, but it's at least good to see him uh, it's at least good to see any Philly starter pitching really well this year because right. none of them are pitching well. And and uh, I'll couch that a little bit. Nick Pavetta has had his moments too, but he has a four seven three ERA. What do you what do you make of Pavetta as a grade?
1: Um, I, I would give him a C plus just because of the walks. I mean, it's like, I don't know what. Obviously, I'm not a major league player, so I'm not. I can't speak on it, but it's like. You know, I think he had two walks and in 30-something innings in A, and he's got uh, 28 walks in 59 innings. I mean, he's, you're not going to succeed that long in the big leagues if you just put guys on for free, basically. So I, he's pitched pretty well his last four, three to four out of five outings. Um, you know, he gave up three home runs the other night, but I, I would give him a C-plus only because of those walks, and we all know how Ben Davis hates those walks.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I'd I'd give him like a charitable C. Um, You know, I haven't seen enough great from Pavetta to really boost that great at this point. You know, the walks, as you said, are really the bugaboo. And I wonder how much of that has to do with the pitch framing with Cameron Rupp and Andrew Knapp. How much of it has to do with him just overpowering and, and kind of pitching outside of himself because he's in the big leagues? I don't know. But it is certainly a little bit of a, a flag to see the control not as good. Speaking of control being not as good, what do you think of Vince Velasquez?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would see you know, minus D-plus around there. Um, you know, even he made a, a comment earlier in the week that he sees himself as a closer. So this it, is probably his last shot. Uh, I would say, the second half of the year at, at being a starter. Um, but, yeah, if I had to put a grade on him, you know, he, he hasn't been good this year, so I would say probably a D plus.
0: Yeah, I'd probably even give him a D. Uh, he's just, you know, early in the year when he was – pitching every five days he would only get about five innings in and by then he'd given up three to four runs and walked about four guys that's not a recipe for success that's not a big league starter that's a guy that comes in as a spot starter you know once in a while um you might be right that his future is as a closer I thought maybe the Phillies should just stretch him out completely and let him throw 130 pitches a game to see what happens but um you know, I I am with you. He's just had a bad season. It's 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 been really unfortunate to see someone who has so much promise not really figure it out and what he's doing wrong and then he's having his own mind games, which is a shame too. Uh, all right, Jared Aikoff, who had a really good start on Sunday uh, coming back from from the DL. What do you make of him in the first half?
1: Um him too, not not very good. Um probably a C-. He he's I would say he's probably a little bit a little bit above average pitcher, a little, just a little bit. And this year he's below average. Um, hopefully, you know, the, the injury kind of um, is behind him now. Uh, maybe he had it for a period of time there. And he too. I think I saw in the Phillies game, those nine out of 14 games this year, he's walked more than uh, two guys. Uh, last year he did that, I think, like five times all year in 33 starts. So same same with him, his control has been has kind of escaped him. So I, I would give him a, a C minus.
0: Uh, despite throwing twenty fewer innings than Jeremy Hellickson, he leads the team in walks with thirty-one. Uh, I would probably give him about a C minus. I think you're right, maybe a C if I'm being charitable. But uh, you know, I don't want to be too charitable with this team. They're really bad, so I'd say about right. a C minus, maybe even a D plus uh, for him. Even Pavetta too. Um, Jeremy yeah. Hellickson, who we thought would be kind of the, the guy who would anchor the staff and really give us a little bit of uh, uh, stability, but it hasn't quite happened that way for him. What do you make of Hellickson?
1: Uh. That's basically what I make of him. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's been up and down this year. I, last year, they, they probably should have traded him when, when they had the chance. Last year, he was he was really good um, through June and July. Um, but, th- yeah, he's been up and down. He's been giving up home runs. I would I would give him a, I don't know, a D plus probably. Definitely not what they were looking for right yeah. before the
0: trade. Yeah, I mean, the 27 walks in 102 innings is nice to see, but he's given up 20 home runs, which, right. you know, that guy is like the fifth starter on a bad team. And, well, here we are. Alex is probably the fifth starter on a bad team. So, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. I'd, I'd like a D, maybe, D-plus uh, for being nice. But it, it's been, obviously, Philly starting pitching has not been a strong point this year, uh, for sure. And, finally, just one relief pitcher, because mostly they're they're bad, and Nishek is obviously probably the only – like, clear-cut A on the staff, potentially. But what about Hector Nares, who's been in a lot of games so far?
1: Uh, probably a C. Um, his split just isn't the same as it was last year. So he's been, that's what he's been. He's been a C, is average. That's what he's pretty much been. His ERA is in the mid-threes. Um, I mean, maybe the mid-threes isn't an average player. Um, but, knowing, you know, with what we've seen out of him in the past, he really hasn't, yeah, he just isn't the same guy
0: he was. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I, I, always thought that Neris wasn't quite closer material. Even a couple of years, you know, when when people were saying he was at the beginning of this year and end of last year, I was, I thought to myself, like this guy. Was only a year ago a guy that they would like bring up for a week like Luis Garcia and he'd give up like three homers in a week. You know what is so different about Nairo? I mean the split is obviously a great pitch, but he's not using it as much as he was in the past. Uh, I don't know if he doesn't have confidence in it anymore, but I just don't see him as the kind of guy who can anchor a bullpen. Plus he's 28 years old. It's not like he's a young star on this team. That said, he's had his good moments. Um, he's definitely had some bad moments too. The strikeouts are still pretty good, uh, 42 and 38 innings. I'd probably give him about. To see. I think you're about right on that one. I just don't think he's sort of a long-term lockdown closer on a good team. He's more of a middle reliever that you can you know, plug in there in a playoff team, potentially, but I think the Phillies should try to sell on him if they can. I mean, he's the kind of guy that a team might want to pick up and just run through the postseason and see what he has, but um, plenty of questions to be answered for the Phillies in 2017, for sure. It's been a really bad season so far, but maybe the second half, hopefully the second half, will be better, or else we'll have a 120 lost team. <laughs> Corey, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to you a little bit later on. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. If you're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast and you're thinking to yourself, I want more, Tim Malcolm. I know. So many people ask that question. Well, guess what? You're in luck. We have a new podcast at philliesnation.com that we just launched this past week. It's called Playing the Rube. You can find it where you find the Phillies Nation podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, and on YouTube.com slash PhilliesNation. The idea of playing the Rube is very simple. Myself and Dan Walsh of PhilliesNation.com are going back in time to 2009 to see if we can do a better job than Ruben Amaro Jr. as general manager of the Phillies. We're doing it through out-of-the-park baseball 2018. We're simulating the 2009 season first. And we're making all the general manager moves that hopefully help us out in the future and make the Phillies better for longer, something that Ruben could not accomplish in his tenure as GM. It's a fun podcast, especially for those who are really interested in being general managers in either real life or fantasy, whether you are playing your video games or you're out of the park baseball and love being the GM. This is the podcast for you. There's a lot of tinkering, a lot of roster talk, a lot of really head-banging sort of reactions to Phillies games, because this past week, ooh boy, I'm actually talking about a podcast we just recorded, you'll see it in a couple of weeks, but here is a sneak preview of a recent episode. We have an interesting week ahead of us, we are going to Washington to face the Nationals, it's their home opener, it's Monday, and we get to face the guy that we were trying to court all spring training, Colby Lewis. Up. Oh. Ryan Zimmerman just hit a walk-off. Oh, my God.
2: I had a feeling. So I guess the question becomes, you know, we keep saying we're not concerned. It's super early. Sample sizes fluctuate, right? At what point do we get concerned? Because now we're 1-7? in
0: Let's play the San Diego Padres, and let's get a win. It's going to be Hamels against Matt Latos. So hopefully we get a win here.
2: Yep. You kind of really need Hamels to be, you know, the, the the best version of Hamels
0: <sighs> he he pretty much was
2: <laughs> but did it matter
0: we lost one to nothing
2: <laughs> of course we did
0: oh good gravy boat Brian Schneider hit a home run against Hamels as are the
2: you serious
0: 10 to 1 win all right there we go so that's
2: that's two games in a row where the offense erupts, and this one's even better than the last one because we didn't just completely embarrass ourselves on the mound.
0: I just want to let you know that uh, Major League Baseball has announced its Players of the Week. Uh, we did not win one, but the National League Player of the Week is Brian Schneider.
2: Yep. Just just, just turn the knife. That's all. <laughs> just turn the knife.
0: Dan, uh, are you happy with how this week has turned out for us?
2: N- no. <laughs> But, <laughs> but the last two games give us some glimmer of hope and remind us of the fact that we do have talented players, especially uh, our position players.
0: Yes, just like the 2017 Phillies, there is no shortage of really head-scratching and dumbfounding play by the Phillies in Playing the Rube, the new podcast by philliesnation.com. Check it out again on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, and YouTube.com slash Nation. Presented by Tim Malcolm and Dan Walsh, playing the Rube every Friday at Phillies Nation. We're back with Corey Sharp from philliesnation.com. It is July now, and with the second half coming up on us at the end of the week, now we're getting into trade deadline time. The trade deadline, of course, is at the end of the month, and the Phillies could be very active at the deadline. Certainly a lot of veterans that they might want to push to other teams and get a little bit of value back. Corey, of all the guys that are on this roster right now, who is most likely in your mind to be traded by the Phillies?
1: Well, I would say probably every veteran there is. Uh, <laughs> every veteran.
0: You can't pick one. you got to pick four or five.
1: <laughs> I, I Most likely uh, Daniel Nava. I would say most likely. Um, Jeremy Hellickson. I think they would get a bag of balls for him at, at this point. Um let's see uh they would have liked Michael Saunders gone but that's not going to happen how he can Yeah Fenton, if, you know, if if he can get back to if he could play at least probably 2 weeks before uh the deadline i'd say you know, he would be gone because he's probably been the best hitter on the team Yeah um so i would say those guys and then Tommy Joseph that's i think i would think they would still need the right package to get rid of him because he's he's still um you know i still think they they kind of like him and he's, you know, with him, I like he's still, he's still young enough to where you can't just ship him for nothing.
0: Yeah, my my issue with Joseph is he's he's not he's not great at first. He's not a great hitter. Okay, he can, he has power. He's got definitely potential to come off a bench for a good team and slug a couple homers, obviously. But and he's still young, which is in his favor. I mean, there's still definitely potential for him, but he hasn't shown that he is a well-rounded hitter. And teams don't necessarily value first baseman only players who don't have a lot of contact and and don't have speed and all those other things that you might need to be a well-rounded player, he's just a power guy at first base. Teams aren't going to value that that highly. So I am worried, as you said, if the Phillies like him that much, and they do, they put him in all their marketing material and all that kind of stuff, and it seems like that they do have an affinity for him, that they might want to overvalue him at the trade deadline and they won't get what they want or they won't get the offer that they want and they'll just decide to keep him and that creates a bigger problem with Reese Hoskins. But I, I'm with you on, I, you know, I think Nava's is definitely potential to go. I think Helixson definitely potential to go. I think Kendrick, for sure. I think that might be a guy that, if he doesn't get back in time, they could still deal him at the waiver deadline, uh, which comes up in August later on. So I think that's someone to look at. But you don't think, what about Nishak? I mean, you didn't even mention Nishak.
1: Uh, I, I forgot. There were so many guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he obviously, he, he would probably be the number one and, yeah he probably has the most value, I would say um and for him and, and you know any any guy any team could use another bullpen arm, whether you have the best bullpen in the league or the worst bullpen in the league.
0: yeah, that's for sure and i think if if they do trade Neshek, I think the return could be a semi decent prospect. I don't know if they're going to get more than that in a deal. I mean, who knows relievers are valued highly, as you said, but Niescheek has kind of come on i think he believes he's come in public and said that he doesn't really see himself as a closer he's more of a middle reliever so just saying that kind of puts him in a box and teams might not value him as highly so if the Phillies can get a decent prospect for him, I think that's a win. Um, you know, if they can get a decent prospect for a Nava or maybe even a Kendrick at the waiver deadline, that'd be great. Otherwise, I don't know if I see really good returns here for the Phillies. Uh, are you are you okay if the Phillies don't get a lot of the deadline if they, if they trade a bunch of guys but don't get a lot of value back?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would just try to get whoever you could. So I mean, whatever you get, you know, I, I would now. So I wouldn't have a problem with it. So, but the only thing with Nishag, it's funny, it's like with middle relievers not being valued as much. But it, like, if you look at, a guy, look at a team like Cleveland and look at how, look at how they use their bullpen, mm-hmm. especially in the playoffs, I think that could be – you could possibly get more value out of Cleveland because a guy like Terry Francona uses his bullpen so much, especially in the playoffs. So I think – I don't know. That, that's a team to watch there to, to get a little bit more than anybody else.
0: Absolutely. Um, and by the way, just, uh, just our best wishes to Terry Francona, who's going under uh, some heart. Uh, he's got a heart issue, and he should be back fine after the break, but uh, that news just came across a couple of days ago. Uh, but we're kind of thinking about him, too, because Terry, uh, former Philly manager, Terry Francona. But I think you're right. Pat Neshek could be valued by a team, really any team, because they would want that sort of you know, bullpen flexibility that has been so, uh, so enormous for teams that are contending in the playoffs uh the last but, couple of years.
1: Uh yeah, I mean, look, and you even look at look at the Nationals, you know, their their bullpen is so bad. They may actually give up an extra guy just, just to get Nishak because yeah, the window is is kind of closing on them. I mean, they they're not going to have many more shots either. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, well, with Bryce Harper at least they're uh, you know, potentially leaving in a couple of years. That that's definitely true. Um, but who knows? But you're right. I think the the the, the Phillies could definitely dangle Nishak or even Aeneris or someone at the Nationals, and they should. I mean, why not? You see if there's a bite there. And if you can get anything, get anything. Because at this point, I think a lot of us just want to see some turnover and see some young guys playing in August and September. Uh, Corey Sharp, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Tim.
0: My thanks to Corey Sharp for coming on the podcast today. Also, thanks to bensound.com for the music for the podcast. Again, you can find the Phillies Nation podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, and YouTube.com slash PhilliesNation. PhilliesNation.com for all your news, rumors, and information. Facebook.com slash PhilliesNation. Twitter at PhilliesNation. And Instagram at PhilliesNation underscore. By the way, I want to kind of let you in on what's going on in Williamsport. This is a really great team that is playing right now. The Crosscutters have won a couple games over the week. Their season just started. It's the short season, low A-ball team for the Phillies. So you're seeing a lot of draft picks on this team. Also guys who were in the Gulf Coast League last year. Some Dominican pickups. uh, Some international pickups. A really good collection of talent on this team. Really young talent. Especially first round draft pick Adam Hazley, who so far is killing it in Williamsport. He has a three ninety-five average with a four eighty-nine on base percentage and five twenty-six slug. He has a home run, four RBI, couple doubles. He probably won't be playing for the crosscutters for too long. I would assume that the Phillies will aggressively move him up either to Lakewood or even up to Clearwater before the year is over. So if you want to go see him, you should get out to see him as soon as possible with Williamsport. Of course, if he goes to Lakewood, you could see him in Lakewood, not too far away either. Some other good players in the Williamsport team, Yalen Ortiz, who, of course, had international pickup who was moving through the lower levels uh, last couple years, He's hitting 291 with a 451 on base percentage and 3 home runs for the Crosscutters. Rodolfo Duran who was a big international signing, he's a catcher hitting 300 with a 396 on-base percentage. He's got four home runs, uh, excuse me, no home runs but four RBI. Greg Pickett who was a draft pick last year, uh, he's hitting 375 with a 390 on-base percentage. And the pitching is pretty good too. They got Kyle Young who is in the system, a young player, 147 ERA. Julian Garcia has a 150 ERA. Luis Car- uh, Carrasco has a 193 ERA. Really good players in Williamsport, and if you want to go see them, they have some local dates coming up. They're going to be in Norwich, Connecticut over this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but then this weekend they're going to be back home in Williamsport to face the Lowell Spinners. Uh, they also have to face State College at the beginning of next week, Monday and Tuesday. Then they go to State College for a game, and then they go to Batavia for a couple games. Batavia used to be a Phillies uh, affiliate, of course. So they're going to be home a lot over the course of July. You'll want to go see them if you especially want to see Adam Hazley, the first-round draft pick, who, as I said, will probably be moving up from Williamsport pretty soon. Very good young player with an all-around skill, good power, good speed, good gap. Everything was there for Hazley, so check him out if you get a chance. The Phillies Nation podcast back next week, and maybe the second half will bring some new things for the Phillies. We can only hope, right? some trades, some prospects, and more importantly, some wins. For the Phillies Nation podcast, I'm Tim Malcolm. We'll see you next week.